Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after. Amen. Uh, well, you can grab a seat. Uh, and good morning. And welcome back. 2018. <laughs> Here we are. New year, new you. This is it. Uh, we are excited to have you back. We, we as a staff, I mean, we as a ministry, we are just, we're so glad that you're here, that you're here with us. If this is your first time to be with us, I mean, well, uh, there's an extra special thanks uh, for being here. And, and just to let you know, uh, this, this week is kind of our kind of soft launch, sort of the soft opening to the semester, uh, which means that next week uh, is going to be a bit more uh, crowded. So because of that, I would encourage you, if you're coming back next week, or if you have friends that are coming here for the first time next week, uh, especially at the 11 o'clock, encourage them to come a little early, to come a little bit early to find a better spot, or maybe come, we have a 9.15 service, uh, exact same thing in the exact same room uh, at 9.15 a.m. next Sunday, and you're welcome to join us there as well, uh, just trying to let you know. I warned you, okay, I warned you. But man, we would, we would love to see you next week. Uh, we're so glad you're here this week. We're so glad you're here today uh, as we enter into basically a new series. Uh, my name, I probably should have said, my name is Jacob Smith. I'm our, our college pastor here at Anderson. And uh, man, I've been teaching here for the last uh, four and a half years. And, and it is just something that we've come to every once in a while is, is this biblical figure of David. And I'm really excited because this semester, these first like seven weeks of the year, we are going to be looking at at his life. We're going to be looking primarily at the heart of David because it's a heart that God looked at and God said, man, that's a heart that's just like my own. That's a heart that's in line with myself, with my passions and my desires and my affections. And we see in the life of David, as we look at these snapshots of his life, both through his Psalms and through his stories, we'll see how his heart is revealed by the world around him, by the circumstances that occur in his life. And his heart is then refined by the work of God. And sometimes it's painful and hard, but it's good. This morning, specifically, we're going to be seeing the heart of David revealed in this psalm, Psalm 133, that he's writing about community. He says, look how good and how pleasant it is when brothers live together. It's like a fine oil poured on the head, which flows down the beard. Aaron's beard then flows down his garments. Ah, there's that oily, yuck, gross beard, right? Mm. It's like community. It's like the dew of Hermon, which flows down upon the hills of Zion. Indeed, that is where the Lord has decreed a blessing will be available, eternal life. He says, man, you look at a greasy beard, mm, it's like, a, like your friend, right? That's, that's what he's saying. He's saying, look, there's something incredible that happens when people join together, when friendships occur, when community is formed. He says it's, it's this beautiful aroma. That's this illustration of the oil pouring down the head and into the beard. He says it's, it's this oil that they would anoint the priests with, that, that, that would make them uh, pleasing to the Lord. They would lift this, this pleasing aroma to God. There's this beautiful symbol. And David says that's what community can be. That's what friendships can be. That's what relationships can be. They can be this incredible opportunity to glorify our God. And some of us, we have best friends or really good friends. Uh, my wife, uh, we've been married as of this month, as of about a week ago, we've been married for eight years. Uh, and over the course of that time, I'll tell you, uh, she's been my best friend. She's my absolute best friend in this world. I love her. She's my 
one and only, my soulmate. She's wonderful. She's here now because she supports me in my stuff. And man, I'll tell you, uh, she is absolutely the greatest friend I have on this planet. Now, right below her, okay, just like two ticks down the ladder, there's a guy named Ben Biles. And Ben Biles and I, we became friends uh, way back in preschool. Uh, we, 25 years ago, found ourselves in the same classroom, uh, in the same class when we were carpooling together. Uh, I was a Native American. He was a pilgrim. Uh, he, you know, slaughtered my people. But, you know, we, we worked through our differences. He didn't. He, the pilgrims didn't. But we worked through our differences, right? We, we found ourselves bonding over shared interests. We bonded over Star Wars and Ninja Turtles, uh, and that was about it. And that's all it takes, right? If you're a man, that's, that's it. You check both the boxes. And as we were getting to become friends, as we were kind of growing in our relationship, growing in our friendship, all through K4, K5, first grade, second grade, all through this time, uh, there were issues that would arise, right? Every once in a while, there would be conflict. And in fact, uh, at one point in third grade, uh, I had this little brief season of my life where I uh, thought it'd be really cool to keep a diary, a journal. Uh, So I have it right here. Uh, This is it. And it has, I don't know why I never thought about this. It has Native Americans on the front. It was a thing, I guess. Uh, I am 116th Choctaw, so maybe that's it. But I wrote down a historical account, a historical record of this one day in the life of Ben and Jacob, November 12th, 1996. I got a new watch yesterday. It's really cool. I told Megan I like her. I'm not sure she likes me anymore. (laughs) In hindsight, she never did. Uh, Spoiler alert. Third grade is boring. I know everything there is to know. I sit by Wayne. He's okay. Ben. Ben and I got in a fight yesterday. Ooh. But I still like him. Sort of. I've been chasing girls instead of playing soccer. It's fun. Okay, so that's the end of that day. Man, we had this friendship that, yeah, we had our ups and our downs. We had these conflicts over. I even remember this. I remember we were in my backyard. We were making these mud pie things. We, just, we had conflict, and it happened, but we pushed through. It made us stronger. And, and sure enough, as the years went by, man, we've been best friends for 25 years. I'm going to get to stand next to him as his best man in his wedding just next week. And, and it's just, it's one of those relationships that I've had in my life, maybe similar to a relationship, a friendship that you've had in your life where you just see the beauty of what can happen with real meaningful friendship, right? With real meaningful community. Someone who's walking alongside of you in the ups and the downs and the joys and the sorrows. Someone who you know and love and care about. Someone that, that has your back. I mean, someone that you can be open and vulnerable with. There are moments and there are people in our lives that bring us this idea to light, this truth to light, that we need people. We just do. God designed us to need other people. And yet we find ourselves in rough moments like November 12th, 1996, where there's issues and there's conflict and there's frustration and there's division. And we find ourselves asking the good question of, okay, what 
what am I missing, right? Like, what do I need to do? Like, what is really the foundation of a truly great, meaningful friendship? What's the foundation of a great friendship that can actually bring glory to God? Because that's what David is talking about. In Psalm 133, it's a a friendship that we get to see unveiled through the story of his life. David had a heart for community. We see it in Psalm 133. We see it played out in his life because he knows that ultimately a great friendship can bring glory to God. And we see this play out specifically in his life with a guy named Jonathan. We see David and Jonathan meet in 1 Samuel chapter 18. Sorry, in the very beginning of the chapter, we see that David had just had this kind of military victory, okay? Something we'll talk about in the next few weeks. But he had this big victory, and after this big victory, he goes to the king of Israel at the time. He goes to Saul, and he's talking to him about it. And then he meets uh, Saul's son, okay? So when he's finished talking with Saul, the son of Saul, Jonathan, and David, they became bound together in close friendship. And Jonathan loved David as much as he did his own Life. Literally in the Hebrew right here, it, it talks about them being knit together. It's this beautiful illustration of, of their souls being knit together, this, this bond, this strong friendship forming. Why? They just met. But I'll tell you, what's happening is that J- David's rolling off of this big victory. Jonathan's being raised up as the son of the king. He's being raised up his whole life to be a military commander. David and Jonathan are intersecting at this moment, and they're saying, hey, you're a military guy? I'm a military guy? Yeah, hey, we're, we're kind of both in the same world, right? We're both warriors. You see, strong friendships are always formed out of a shared focus. That's what C.S. Lewis talks about in his book, The Four Loves, where he's describing the different types of relationships we have in our life. And when he talks about friendship, he says friendship must be about something, right? He says, if you're in a romantic relationship, it's just, a, you're, it's about each other, right? He says, right, you're, you're fascinated with this other individual. He says, but a friendship, it's different. Lovers are face to face, but friends are side by side. It's got to be about something, even if we're only an enthusiasm for dominoes or white mice. Whoop. <laughs> those who have nothing can share nothing. And those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. He says, man, if you've got no focus, you're not going to find a friend. He goes on to say, that's why the people that all they care about is making friends never make any. He says, because ultimately you have to be pursuing something else. The best, most meaningful friendships are formed around a shared focus. Even thinking about the friends that you have in your life, you are probably focused on similar things, on similar interests. You watch the same show, or you like the same stories, or, or you like the same team, or you play in the same sport, right? There's probably people in your life right now that you are arm in arm with because you're just Aggies, or you're trying to be Aggies, right? You, you see this community, you see this family, and you're like, hey, we're the Aggies. The Aggies are we, right? We're true to each other, as Aggies can be. We've got to fight, boys. We've got to fight, right? Like, you're just, we got to do this. And we have this camaraderie. We have this shared focus. We want A&M to fight everyone. I, it's insane, but it's what we want. We want to move this thing forward, right? And so suddenly, when we look at our friendships, we see the truth in what's being talked about, not only by Lewis, but what we're about to see unveiled in Scripture, that the best, strongest friendships are formed out of a shared focus. But the problem is that many times those focuses that we have, they end, right? That, that show is going to get canceled or, or, or that team is going to just be bad and you're not going to want to care about them anymore or, or, or that school that you go to, right? It's, you're going to graduate. 
And sure, once an Aggie and always an Aggie, for sure. But, but you're not going to be in the same classes. You're not going to be in the same organizations. You're not even going to be living in the same town as a lot of these people who your shared focus is school. And you saw this, right? You saw this with high school. Where once you graduate, the reality is that, man, there's 90 plus percent of those people that you used to see, maybe you even used to hang out with, that you just, you don't even know where they are. Because the shared focus went away. And so the friendship dissolved. What we see in Scripture is this incredible, beautiful gift. This incredible, beautiful direction, this incredible, beautiful focus that we can land upon, that we can move towards with our friends, one that's not going to just fade away, a focus that can last. David alludes to it in Psalm 133. He says, man, this friendship, this community, what it does is it glorifies the Lord. Why? Because ultimately it's focused on him. He saw that. He knew that truth. We're about to read different passages where Paul is writing to believers. He's writing to different churches, these, these groups of believers who, man, they, they know each other and they love each other and they're bound together by their shared focus of Jesus Christ. Then Paul says, hey, I, I want you to make sure you keep that at the forefront of your mind. Be focused on the purpose, the shared mission that you have. Ultimately, what should bind us together as believers is our shared focus on Jesus Christ who came and lived and died and rose, not just to give a relationship, not just to provide relationship between ourselves and the Father, which, I mean, that's incredible, right? That, that's, amazing. that's the greatest gift you've ever been offered, that Jesus Christ would step out of heaven and onto earth to live the life that we could not live and die the death that we deserve, to rise again, to show that he had power over sin, power over death, to deliver us out of bondage to our own selfish self-interest and free us into a new life, into a new relationship with the Father. He says, man, I'm not just going to reconcile you with the Father. I'm not just going to provide this relationship between you and the God of the universe. He says, because of my life and death and resurrection, you can have a new relationship with the people around you. You're now in a new family. You're now in a new community. You're part of a church. You're part of a body. He says, you have brothers and sisters all around you that you can have restored, reconciled, loving, forgiving relationships with. And praise God for that gift, that he would make a way, not only for us to know him better, but to know each other. So Paul says, scripture says, God is telling us, keep me, keep the Lord, keep Jesus Christ as your focus. Because that focus won't end. And that friendship can be steady and strong through the highs and the lows. But I'll tell you, there's still going to be difficulty, right? That's why Paul writes to all these different churches. It's not just because it's like, hey, here's a reminder, even though you don't need it. He's giving them reminders because he knows that they need it, that there's dissension, that there's frustration, that there's friction, that there's division. So he's writing to them and he's saying, hey, make sure you keep these things at the forefront of your mind. Make sure you're pursuing these qualities and these attributes and these characteristics in your relationships, in your friendships, in your community. And so what we'll see this morning as we're kind of rounding it out, what we're going to see is basically three key qualities, three key attributes that we see in the life of David, that we see in his friendship with Jonathan, that we should want to emulate in our own lives, in our own friendships. We see first and foremost that between David and Jonathan, there's this beautiful example of friends providing for one another. 
sacrificing for one another. In 1 Samuel 18, uh, just a few verses later, uh, David is, is in need. Uh, he's about to go on this journey, about to leave. And so Jonathan is trying to equip him. He's trying to serve him. And so he's like, hey, uh, you need this stuff, right? And so he, he took off the robe he was wearing and he gave it to David, along with the rest of his gear, including his sword and his bow and even his belt. That's, man, that's the extra mile, right? David, or sorry, Jonathan knows that David needs equipment. He knows he needs uh, to, to, he needs to be provided for. And so Jonathan says, hey, I'm going to step in. I'm going to provide, right? I'm going to give you what you need. And this is awesome. This is beautiful. There's, there's something incredible in seeing someone receive exactly what they need when they need it. Much like this. Oh, get out of town. What? Oh, look. What? You've got to be kidding me. Oh. Well, a dream come true. Right? Clearly, can't really see his face. He was happy, though. You can tell. Uh, man, there's something incredible about seeing someone re- receive the thing that they need most, right? Sometimes it's light-up shoes. Well, I should say, it's always light-up shoes, all right? But sometimes there's other things on top of those light-up shoes that we need. That's why when Jesus is speaking to his disciples in John 15, he says this exact thing. He says, hey, if you want to be known as my people, if you, if you want to stand out, right? If, if you want people to recognize you as my followers, he says, this is what you need. This is my commandment. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another just as I've loved you. No one has greater love than this. He says, this is it. This is the pinnacle that one lays down his life for his friends. Jesus Christ says, this is the model to follow. This is the example to, to, to see in your own life. It says you need to love one another in such a way that you are sacrificing, right? Great friends are going to sacrifice to provide for one another. And this is hard, right? When was the last time we found ourselves with a, a friend in need and we just kind of brushed it off? We got that text over the break and we just got back to it later. Or, or we saw that, that issue, or we saw this need, and we were like, man, it's, that'd be really inconvenient. I'm, I'm far away, or I, I don't have time, or I don't have the resources to deal with this. And, and we just kind of let it go. It was too inconvenient to help. And we, we see needs all the time. Or sometimes we don't see them because we're actively ignoring them. Right? Actively just keeping our blinders on and being self-focused. And Jesus Christ is looking at us, and he's saying, that's not the foundation of a great friendship. A great friendship is built on sacrifice, on providing for one another. Jesus Christ didn't just say this. He did this, right? He's given us that model. He's given us that example. He fulfilled this to the extreme that while we were still sinners, he died for us. That God so loved the world that he sent Jesus Christ to die, not for his friends, but for his enemies. While we were still children of wrath, actively rebelling against God. He says, I'm going to step in and I'm going to sacrifice for you. I'm going to give you the life of my son so that you might know me, so that you might become people who live the way that he lived, people who sacrifice the way that he sacrificed. God says, man, this is the foundation of a friendship that, that's healthy, that's meaningful, that lasts, that you're providing for one another. On top of that, it's, man, strong friendships, they protect one another. 
They guard each other. We see this with David and Jonathan, 1 Samuel 19, uh, where basically Saul, crazy King Saul, he's really angry at David. He wants to kill David. And so Jonathan speaks up on David's behalf to his father Saul. And he says, hey, the king should not sin against his servant David, for he's not sinned against you. He says, why would you sin against innocent blood by putting David to death for no reason? Saul is talking down on David. He's like pl- making these plans to go murder David. And Jonathan stands up, right? He, he stands up and he takes that hit. He says, hey, why would you do that? He's guarding the reputation of his friend. He sees David in a vulnerable position. David's not even there. But Jonathan knows, hey, you're, you're kind of starting this momentum. You're starting this ball rolling. And he's like, I'm going to stop it right here, right now. It doesn't work. Saul winds up trying to murder Jonathan as well. And it gets, we'll get there. But Man, it's, it's one of those moments where we get to see a really strong, healthy, great friendship. Those friends aren't just providing and sacrificing for each other. They're sacrificing each other for each other in the sense that they're going to protect each other. They're going to take the hit for each other. They're going to push back on, on other people that are, that are coming for that reputation or coming even for their, their very lives. Right? There's something incredible when we see people standing in the gap for one another to protect each other from the dangers and the hurts of this world. As seen. Take the bus. <laughs> right? <laughs> that makes sense. Kill an anteater. Take the bus. Right? That's just, sometimes you got to. Sometimes you just got to take that anteater down. Why? Because it's threatening your friend. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations where, where there's a reputation on the line, where there's frustration being, where there's division that's forming. And we're called to step into that gap, to bring reconciliation, to take that hit, to protect our friends. That's what Paul's writing to the uh, Colossians. He says uh, in Colossians chapter 3, he says, Therefore, as the elect of God, right? So as people who have trusted in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, he says, You holy and dearly beloved. He says, Clothe yourselves with a heart of mercy, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. It says you need to have this heart that, that, that breaks for your brother, that breaks for your sister, this, this compassion that's quick to go out, this forgiveness that's quick to occur. If someone has, happens to have a complaint against anyone else, in other words, if this is happening between you and a brother and a sister, or he says or if this is happening between two other people, you need to step into that gap. You need to bring reconciliation. You need to bring about forgiveness. Because just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also forgive others. You, to all of these virtues, you need to add love, which is the perfect bond. He says, you have been forgiven of so much. You've been shown so much compassion, so much mercy, so much grace. He says, you've been given all of these gifts. So, so don't just experience it from the Lord, but extend it to your family. Just extend it out to the people around you. That joy and that, that, that peace, that, that forgiveness that, that none of us deserve, and yet God has freely given. And so therefore we freely give. 
That's the community you should be a part of. That's the friendship God's calling you to. That's the relationship that's going to bring glory to God. And yet we find ourselves, man, I find myself in these moments failing to stand up for my friend because I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I'm bitter. They hurt my feelings and I don't want to forgive them. Or maybe someone else is talking bad about them and, and rather than me stepping in and kind of shutting it down, I'm just like, yeah, you know what? They do do that a lot. Or they, they, that is, a, and I feed the fire. I fuel the flame. I, I increase the divide that's already forming. Instead of trying to bring these people together, instead of being the advocate and the defender for my brother or for my sister, instead I'm stepping in and I'm worse than their most evil enemy. Because to their face, maybe I'm kind, but in behind their back, I'm cutting them down. Or sometimes we are willing to sacrifice their reputation for a laugh, right? We just, we dig at them, even to their face. We just dig and dig and dig and dig. Or maybe we sacrifice that friendship because we want to hold on to some bitterness, some past hurt or pain that we just can't let go of. And we just hold it and it influences the way that we see them the way we talk about them, the way we talk to them, the way we interpret their actions and their way. Man, we just, we will find ourselves increasing the division when God is calling us to close the gap, to initiate the conversation of love, to initiate grace, to initiate forgiveness. Why? Because we've been forgiven. And we have the example of Jesus Christ where he says, hey, I've overcome the world and you don't have to fear it because I'm going to be with you, right? I'm going to protect you. It says, you're not going to have to face, you're not going to face temptation that's greater than you can bear. I'm going to protect you from that. It says, you don't have to fear the powers and the principalities of this world. I'm going to protect you from that. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, he has given you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come and he has given you strength in your weakness. He's given you faithfulness in your failure. He says, man, I'm going to fill the gaps that you need so that you can fill the gaps in other people's lives, in other relationships. So we see this incredible model, this example of protecting the people we care about. But last of all, what we see in the life of David and Jonathan, one of their final interactions is their willingness, their their commitment as great friends to pray for one another. We see it, excuse me, in 1 Samuel 23, uh, where David realizes that Saul's come out to seek his life, right? So Saul's still trying to kill David. And so then Jonathan, son of Saul, he left Saul's house and he went to David at Horesh and he encouraged him through God. Literally right here in the Hebrew, it's saying that he's strengthening him in the Lord. These brothers, right? These friends, these comrades, these these brothers in arms, right? These these co-warriors, these co-laborers, these co-strivers, right? These guys that are shoulder to shoulder, side by side, charging that hill together. Jonathan's going to come to him and he says, hey, I don't want to just encourage you with my words. Hey, I don't want to just come and just tell you that like, I'll be there for you and it'll all be all right. He says, no, like I'm going to need to come to you and I don't just encourage you with who I am. He says, I'm going to encourage you through God. In other words, Jonathan is coming to David and he's reminding him of who they serve, of who they worship, of who they love, of who ultimately has their back, of who's ultimately the greatest comfort and the greatest guide and the greatest protector. He says, God's going to give you what you need. He's going to provide. He's going to protect. And so let's pray to him together. Let's go before him 
and, and ask his will to be done. Ask him to move in this situation, to give us insight, to give us wisdom, to direct our steps. Jonathan is encouraging David in the Lord. And it's something that we should be committing to. Over and over again in scripture, we see this charge to pray for one another, to go before the Lord on each other's behalf. And I'll tell you, there's great power in that. That's James 5. There's incredible power in the, in the prayers of a righteous person, in the prayers of, of the children of God. I mean, there's power in that prayer. And there's moments in our lives where every once in a while we, we get it, right? We, we forget it so quickly. It's the worst, just the worst thing that we forget it. I forget it all the time. That prayer, I mean, it's our lifeline. It's our source of hope and strength. But every once in a while, we're reminded. And those are the moments that we got to cling to. Over this break, uh, my wife and I, we, we had some good friends of ours in our home group. Uh, we have this home group of, of, of a lot of uh, young couples that are having kids, got one kid, two kids, kid on the way, that kind of thing. And uh, one of the couples, they'd had this very, they had this long journey, this long journey to having their first child. But they got pregnant earlier this year. They're giving birth a week before Christmas. It was when the schedule was coming. Everyone was excited. They're like, man, here it comes. Here, here she comes. And the day arrived, shortly before Christmas. Uh, and uh, everyone's just excited. They're texting. We're, we're texting them and trying to find out, like, hey, how's it going? Was there, you know, what's going on? Uh, and uh, there were complications. There were severe complications. And this day that was supposed to be joyous and celebratory and exciting and everyone was going to go and see them and all, this day got dark really dark and really scary. And this, their daughter just had issues to where even as, even as they got her out, even as she was delivered, they had to fly her to temple. They had to fly her to, to a more comprehensive uh, care unit, intensive care unit for, for, for kids. And, and, and as they were, uh, you know, looking at her and trying to run all these tests, like they, they were out in temple for 10 days, just, just watching and hoping and, and, and wanting to hold her, but they couldn't. And it was just, it was a dark time, scary time. And over the course of those days, man, as, as their home group, as their friends, we were all just, we were distraught and, and we wanted to help, but like we were, you know, everyone was, was traveling and gone and man, we didn't know what to do. And, and we had this moment, we had this wonderful moment of remembering, hey, you know, the best thing we can do right now is, is pray, is pray for them, is pray that God, that, that God would strengthen, that God would guide the hands of those doctors, that God would miraculously bring healing and re- recovery to her body. I mean, we can pray that God would move and that we would trust him that we would feel loved by him, that we, would, that we would know that he's got our backs, that he's faithful, that his promises are true. Right? We need to pray on their behalf, on, on the behalf of everyone in this situation. And, and as this, these days were going by, what was incredible was uh, the story. I, I, I asked all the pastors and elders here at Grace to, to join us in praying. Uh, the other people in our home group were asking others to, to join them. And, and, and the husband was sending these emails on a daily basis to just oh, hundreds of people. We're receiving these daily updates. I mean, here's where we're at. Like, this is what you can be praying for. This is what's going on. Because, man, when you hit that moment, and maybe you've hit it before, or maybe it's still coming, but you will hit moments in your life where you're just at a loss. 
and you just think, I, there's nothing I can do. And yet in those moments, our God is good. And the Spirit moves. And He grabs a hold of our heart. He grabbed a hold of my mind. And He said, hey, there's never anything you can really do. It's just sometimes you fool yourself into believing otherwise. The greatest tool we have in our belt, the greatest weapon in our arsenal, the greatest (laughs) anchor we have in these storms is talking with our God. It's talking with our Father. Going before Him with prayers, supplications, going before Him not only on our own behalf, but on behalf of others. And man, this was one story over the break. Uh, with our friends, that, that was wonderful. It's great. There was, she's great. There was a miraculous recovery. She's, she had all these issues that, that had happened with oxygen loss and blood loss and these things, and, and she's home. She's, she's on the road to, to just a full, healthy life. And it doesn't always turn out that way. But regardless of the circumstance, God, God says, I, I want you to come to me. That's why Paul says, to the church in Ephesus. It says, man, you need to make sure that with every prayer and petition, right, you're praying at all times, you're talking with God at all times in the spirit and to this end to be alert with all perseverance and requests for all the saints. He says, you should be praying not just for yourselves, but for the sake of others. He says, pray for me. Pray for my ministry that I could speak boldly as I ought to speak. He says, man, pray for the people around you. Pray that God would move, that he would strengthen, that he would equip, that he would motivate, right? We're supposed to be going before the Lord in the midst of our weakness and failure and saying, God, you have to move in this situation. You have to be the one to bring about this change or to bring this reconciliation, to make my heart forgive this other person. We can try our best to be great friends, but the reality is that ultimately we are reliant upon the Lord's strength. We all have our limit. But God says, I have the love that has no limit. I have the forgiveness that has no end to its depths. He says, man, come to the Lord. Go before him in prayer for each other. Great friends, they provide, they protect, but they pray. And even though we're going to fail at this, right? We're going to fail over and over again with Jesus Christ as our focus. And we have an example to follow. We have a, a focus that's worth running after, a focus that's worth joining in with others to pursue. I mean, I'd encourage you as you're stepping into this spring, some of us, we're stepping into a community that we already have and we want to get stronger and that's awesome. There's others of us that are walking into a spring where we need brand new community. Either the old one fell away or the old one just doesn't exist. And we're saying, man, I want to be a part of something. I want to be part of a community. I want to be part of these friendships that are meaningful, that last, that are healthy, that are strong in the highs and the lows. Well, I'd encourage you first and foremost to chase after the Lord, right? If we want these relationships, we need to make sure that this relationship is right first. That's what David did. David grew up in isolation and being rejected all through his early life. And he could only turn to God. And God used that time to strengthen this relationship before he ever had friends and brothers in arms in this world. Pursue the Lord, be running after him. And as you do so, find other like-minded believers to bring alongside of yourself. And one of my favorite things we have in our ministry are our leaders 
men and women who love you. They do. They haven't met all of you yet, but they will. And they love you. And they want to hang out with you. They want to talk with you. They want to share your burdens. They want to share your joys. And they want to share your sorrows. Just in a couple weeks, on January 25th, 7 p.m. at our Southwood campus, we're having Fast Forward. It's our, it's our big spring kind of small group ministry launch. And it's an opportunity for everyone to come and just to find that community, to find those people who are pursuing the Lord first and then grabbing each other's arms in the process. Find those people and ask the Lord to give you the heart that will provide, that will protect, that will pray. For the Lord to be strong, even when you're weak. To follow the example of Christ, the greatest friend we could ever know. Let's go to him right now and ask him to move in that way. God, we, we thank you that you've given us this morning, Lord, just this kind of calm before the storm. To pull away and to, to have some time to just to hear from your word. Lord, to focus on your truth. And Lord, to be reminded of the, the value of community. Lord, the value of relationships that, that aren't the end-all, be-all of our existence, but God, they're, they're an important component that you've built in to our lives. So God, we ask that you would just right now raise those people into our minds. If you would, take a moment right now and just ask the Lord, say, God, I, I want to pursue you alongside of other people. God, I, I want to have a stronger relationship with with people that, that have the same mind, that have the same focus. So ask him, God, bring those people to my mind. Who, who are those people? What are those conversations that I could initiate? Who are those individuals that I could move towards in the next week that I could text and, and ask them to go get lunch or get coffee or to, to hang out, to come over? Ask the Lord, just draw those people to your mind right now. And if you would, take a moment now and say, but God, I, I recognize that the relationship I have with you is, is first, is crucial, is critical, is, is the starting point. So confess to him, God, say, God, I, I, this is where I feel I'm at with you. God, this is how I feel about you or about my place in your family. Or God, this is, this is kind of how I see our relationship. Confess to him, Lord, this is, this is sort of the way I view my standing with you. And then ask him to, to not just maybe let you sit in, in something that might be frustrating or, or, or discouraging, but ask him to say, God, change it. God, make it better. Lord, grow me in that relationship, whether that's through more time with you or whether it's through time with your people, or maybe that's through a conversation I need to have just this morning. But confess to him, God, this is where I am and, and, and ask that he would move you to where want to be or you know you should be in your relationship with him. Ask him that right now.